hopefully by now you're aware that although the NHS pension is still a great deal for the vast majority of us, it does have some complexities and problems that you need to be aware of. If you're not a GP, then you might not be aware that GPs have the biggest NHS pensions problems of all. Yep, that's right. The administration of GP's pensions are a national disgrace. Today, we hear from Dr. Nick Grundy, a GP and GP survival member who has made great progress in fixing these pensions issues and holding those responsible to account. Nick has some great tips on how you can help yourself and even how you may be able to claim compensation from those responsible. So even if you're not a GP, this episode is well worth a listen because it's important for the whole profession to pull together and realize that if GPs are being treated with utter disdain and contempt today, tomorrow it could be consultants and juniors the day after. If we can stick together as a profession, it's going to help to fight and combat these important issues. And unfortunately, it's another example of the NHS treating its greatest assets, that is his workforce, with utter contempt. I also need to say that the views expressed today represent those of the individuals concerned and do not represent the views of Medics Money or GP Survival. And me and Nick are definitely not financial advisors. And this podcast is for information only and does not constitute any form of financial advice. Final thing to say is if you are a new to GP partner, then you need to check out the Medics Money New to GP Partnership course, where we will use the unprecedented expertise that we have gathered together at Medics Money to teach you everything that you need to know to thrive as a GP partner, including a module on understanding your pension. So head over to www.medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash GP course to find out more. And for those that are eligible, the course is fully funded by a grant from the NHS. So definitely check out the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. So on today's Medics Money podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Nick Grundy. Hi, Nick. Hi, Tommy. So for those of us that um, may not be aware, do you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm a GP partner in Southwest London. Um, I'm a trainer and I think I'm here largely because I'm part of a campaign organization called GP Survival and we've been doing work on, on GP pensions for about the last four years now. Yeah. I'm so happy that we finally got this uh, recorded because I think you cancelled on me once, then I had to cancel on you once and then we both had to cancel on each other because should we just say something about the workload in GP? Because I've been a GP now five years and the workload at the moment is the worst it's ever been. But do you want to just say something about that before we, because we did have to cancel. Yeah, three times. no, I, th I think it's it's been it's been pretty ferocious and I think it's it's not isolated either. It does seem to be everywhere and I think... Uh, th there's quite a lot. Uh, th our receptionists seem to be getting quite a lot more flack as well. There's a bit more rudeness floating around, which makes it even harder in some ways. Yeah, so it's definitely tough out there uh, for everybody. So if you're struggling, it is not just you. But I really want to get into talking about GP pensions because 
GP pensions are an absolute mess. Um, and we'll talk about why. But the GP pension, the way it works is significantly different from hospital doctors, because if you're a hospital doctor, you do your work and then your trust or your employer uh, looks at what pension, what part of your pay is pensionable and what contribution you're on. And they pass that information directly to NHS pensions who hold all your pension records and then at retirement NHS pensions pay out the money. So super simple. But for GPs, it's absolutely ridiculously complicated. Do you want to just tell us a bit about how it differs? Because some of our listeners might not be aware. Sure. I mean, it used to be similar to to the hospital model in that there used to be lots of local pensions offices. And so a, a bit like at a CCG level or PCT level as was, you'd have a pensions office and as a GP, your pensions contributions would go in there and they would handle that process that you described of passing the paperwork on to NHS pensions. And that's the important bit because that's what actually updates your pension record. Um, but, but since 2015, we've had CAPSA, so part of CAPSA, PCSE, has been doing this on behalf of NHS England, and, and they took over all those old pension offices. Um, and I will probably go into the, the issues that's created, but essentially that process has largely broken, I think it's safe to say, in the intervening six years. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, largely broken is a polite understatement, because since CAPSA have been involved, uh, the bit where they collect all the data and make sure that it's accurate and pass that on to NHS pensions has just not been happening in any way reliable. And that's had a devastating effect on GPs and their pensions. And I mean, we've been tracking this for ages, thinking someone's going to fix this because it's such an, it's an out, it's a total disgrace, basically. Uh, And it's still, despite your best efforts, uh, not fixed. I think to be fair, has got a little bit better, but a little bit better than absolutely terrible is not fixed. So why has this been rumbling on so long? I mean, there's a lot of different problems. I think in terms of, of who it affects, I think it disproportionately affects locums, actually, because they have to fill in more forms, and those are what, what tend to get lost by PCSE. And I think often locums are are less connected to the sorts of organizations who can tackle this um, and less part of the sort of GP ecosystem. So less perhaps aware of the problems until their whole total reward statement goes blank. But but the problems have arisen for for, for lots of reasons. There were some changes um, back in 2014, 2015 about what forms needed to go in where. Uh, and those weren't terribly well communicated. And, and part of that, again, is that there isn't there aren't any good lines of communication between NHS England who put these changes in place and the GP workforce as a whole. And so you had that situation which happens with all sorts of things where messaging goes out to someone in the CCG who sends it out to practice managers and then it might get down to a few people that way. But if you take the end of year forms, people still don't know they have to fill those in, in part, you know, a decade on more or less. Um, and, and that's a communication thing. And that, to be fair, isn't PCSE's fault and it's not entirely NHS England's fault. But but it does reflect the fact that those changes cause problems. But really, the issues have arisen just in that boring mechanical process of you send money and a form off to Capita on a monthly or an annual or whatever it is basis. And sometimes they cash the checks and don't lose the forms. Sometimes they send everything back. Sometimes they just silently reject everything. And that's been happening now for six years. Um, I I think to most GPs in the scheme, and it's been completely invisible. I think a big part of the problem of where we are now is that those historical problems have gone completely unnoticed for most GPs. And and then you've you've now got six years of of problems to unravel. 
going back a stage further, um, without wishing to sound too relentlessly negative, that process of, of moving from those regional pensions offices to PCSE, that was a huge problem as well, because we've got cases that, that GP Survival have tackled, where people have now got data that was in their pension record with NHS pensions. They've got data from 15, 20 years ago, which has gone missing in that move. So data that was there has been overwritten by data that's gone missing when those records were transferred across to PCSE. Yeah. And when we say data's gone missing, let's be clear what we're talking about. What we're saying here is GPs send PCSE thousands of pounds of pension contributions with the associated paperwork so that it's recorded appropriately in their pension records. And then that data that money is effectively lost. Uh, all the paperwork is lost. And then typically you get an email for when I was locoming, I got an email two years later after trying to get my paperwork sorted saying, can you send us the form again? That was the third time I'd sent this form and I'd sent them 1500 pounds. So GPs are sending in thousands of pounds of contributions and they're just not confident. And neither am I, seems like neither are you, that they are being recorded uh, properly. And unsurprisingly, that is having a devastating impact on GPs who are spending hours and hours trying to fix this uh, with Capita, um, or even worse, opting out of the scheme, just getting frustrated with it. So let's park the opting out bit and let's talk about the work that you and GP Survival have been doing to try to resolve this, because I know you've made some amazing progress. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think you're right to acknowledge that human the human cost of just having to manage it all. But like you say, we'll come back to that. Um, so I think we started looking at it back in in 2017 um, because we knew from from people um, in the group in GP Survival um, that that these problems were endemic and that huge numbers of people were affected. Um, and the initial campaign that we ran was was taking advantage of of data protection law. So we asked people to submit en masse subject access requests to PCSE and actually to NHS England, who are the data controller for that purpose, really to establish the scale of the problem. How much data did they have? Could they get that to you in a reasonable time frame? And was it accurate? And the answer to all those questions was they didn't have much data, they couldn't get it out in a timely fashion, and it was wildly inaccurate. Um, that was, a, that was a nuisance thing, really. It, it was saying, look, people are really annoyed. You can't keep saying this is an isolated problem. Going back to your, your example of, of the locum sending, sending money in and sending forms in, at that time, and I think still now, the argument that NHS England used is often, well, that doctor sent, sent us a check but didn't send the form with it. Which is which is laughable. I mean, it's it's absolutely laughable. The idea that you would send send a, a check for fifteen hundred quid to a to a corporation and not attach the paperwork saying this needs to go into my pension is is you know absurd. Um, and, and this revealed that, and it also revealed those problems we touched on earlier, where there was data that had been there that that had gone missing. And again, the response to that was, well, to these people who had data for 10, 15 years, was go back and give us your pay slips from two thousand and two. Um, which again was was ridiculous. So we we raised the initial failure to respond within the time frame to the subject request. We raised that with the ICO. They weren't terribly interested. They had some sort of friendly chats with NHS England and said, "Don't worry, it'll all get better." But to be fair, NHS England did meet us, and they they did meet um, PCSE methods as well. And and what happened then was that they employed Pricewaterhouse Coopers to do some sort of forensic work into some of these people whose cases we'd raised. Um, and some of those bear on on that problem you mentioned earlier where there's a human cost to this you know there were people going through a divorce who were threatened with repossession of their house because they haven't been able to provide uh, a formal estimate of their pension you know and, and the, the response from PCSE there had been 
you need to fill in this form again, which you sent in six months ago, or, well, this date is missing, so we can't give it to you. Um, and and there, there was uh, a GP who was, who'd been diagnosed with terminal breast cancer in her 40s and was told she had to go back and get forms from a practice she'd worked out five years ago. And there was that disconnect between that human cost, the fact that this largely pensions are boring, mechanistic and technical, right? But but I think that was being used as an excuse not to address what were very human issues. Anyway, the, the PricewaterhouseCoopers work really confirmed, it confirmed two things. Firstly, there were people who'd had subject access request responses where there was other data that was subsequently found. So we knew then that there was data in the system that was just floating around not linked to that person's record. Um, and we also found that, that there were forms that had unquestionably been submitted and had gone missing as part of that. Um, so that looked quite positive at the time. We had people then whose records were ostensibly fixed and, and they could then get an updated total reward system um, uh, statement and, sorry, and, then, and then move on with their lives. Um, a lot of those people, their records have since gone back to exactly the state they were before this happened. So we've got people who've been through that whole process, who've been through PwC, have gone in, have fixed their pension record, and they're now being asked for the same forms again that were identified back there. Um, and so we, as part of that, the follow-up to that, the more recent thing, which you may have seen, or some of your, your listeners may have seen, was that we helped some people put compensation claims in, and those were successful. And about 50K has been paid out, or had been paid out earlier in the year, thus far to people who've had to, to recognize the work they've had to do really doing NHS England's job in, in managing their pension payments. Yeah, so compensation, if I've been chasing capita for years or spending hours and hours of my time, how do I get some compensation or payback? So, so the first thing to do is to, to identify roughly how much time you've spent on it and how much it's affected you. And that's two things, really. One is totting up the hours, you know, how many emails have there been, how long have you spent on the phone, how many cases have you had to raise, they won't necessarily compensate you for that time directly. We've got some ongoing cases where we're going to go to the ombudsman to try and say what you've offered doesn't adequately recognise the amount of time this person's had to put in. Um, and we'll keep you posted on those when we get there. But but there is um, it, it is reasonable to say, you know, if you've had to spend 40 hours over the last three years going through this process of raising endless cases with PCSE just to get them to find data they've lost and to resubmit forms you've already submitted, then you just need to go to NHS England and say, this is the amount of time I've had to spend. This is the amount of pension involved. I'd like compensation of... And, you know, people have tended to get about, you know, between 500 and 1500 quid has been the normal amount that people have gone for. But you should tailor that to the work you had to do. The, the, before that, obviously, you need to know where your pension record is. And, and there is a huge amount of work there that you may have to do. Some people have employed accountants to help them with it. And if you do that, if there are professional costs, you should definitely include those in what you ask for compensation for. So if you have an accountant, be that as a locum, a partner, or whatever it is, you know, ask them to account for their time. And, and if they've invoiced you for that, that needs to go in the claim as well. There are some other um, areas where we haven't yet gone into where obviously this stuff not being handled in the right way can have tax implications. So if, you, if you've submitted pensions forms in good faith and payments in good faith and those haven't gone through to NHS pensions, if you're at the upper end of earners, you might have had annual allowance tax charges, which you wouldn't have done if you'd known what your pension was. You know, People are being deprived of that ability to plan financially. Now, that could be a huge thing. We haven't got to the point of finding those cases or raising them yet. But at the other end, you could be in a situation where those pension payments not coming out of your income could move you from one tax bracket to another in a given year. So you've paid more income tax than you should have done if the job had been done properly. Again, we haven't, we haven't gone into that 
sort of those cases yet because it it really requires someone with a friendly accountant to do them. But but you should look at that, and I'd be interested to hear from any of your your listeners who are in that situation. We definitely know some friendly accountants, so yeah, uh, let's talk about that off off air. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the other thing that I wanted to sort of move on to talking about. Oh, maybe we should just quickly say as well that there is a special complaints email address. So if you if you want to raise a complaint, you email this this email and then I think they have 40 days, is it, to respond? And actually I've done, I think they, they did an okay job when I used that. So, you know, credit where credit's due. Um, yeah. I, and, I've got the emails, so I don't know if you want to include them now. Or, yeah. So the, 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 the NHS England ones are um, england.gppensions at nhs.net and then england.pensions, sorry, pension escalations at nhs.net. Um, but before you do that one, I've given those in the wrong order, haven't I? So first of all, raise a complaint with PCSE, and you can do that either through the web portal or to the email pcse.complaints at nhs.net. And that's the 40-day one you were talking about. Yeah. And then if you're not happy with the response from that, that's when you raise the complaint with NHS England. And again, that's england.gppensions or england.pensionescalations at nhs.net. Yeah. And one thing, I'll be interested in your opinion on this, but one thing I was going to say as well is that We've got to be clear here. We're talking about PCSE, NHS pensions. We work with them very closely. They're, we're working with them to help them because we have the best advisors and accountants in the business. They, in my experience, have been excellent. Uh, so it's really clear to separate that PCSE is what we're talking about. NHS pensions, in my experience, and the experience of Medics Money has been excellent. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think um, the natural response people had initially was they logged onto their TRS and it was blank. So they assumed the problem was with NHS pensions, which is not an unreasonable assumption, because one of the points we made right at the start was this should be a single seamless system for the people using it for us. Um, and there was a bit of work initially where NHS pensions were just saying, not our problem, Gov, go back to PCSE. But they've got much, much better at saying, here's what you need to go back and ask. And, and that's been really helpful. And they've been very good as well at responding to requests for things called um, statement of contributions, which will just help you identify where data is missing in your pension record. Um, so yeah, I think, um, I, I'm sure no one's blameless in this, but they've been genuinely interested and helpful in, in my experience. Yeah. And we actually work with them, Medics Money, because we have all the best accountants and financial advisors for medics in the business. We actually meet them every six months where we hammer out the issues and they're really responsive. And yeah, I think it's important to make that clear. Okay. Now, the final thing that I wanted to talk about, um, this is probably the most concerning bit for me because I see so many of my colleagues who have been through all of this, they've sent off their checks or even sent it electronically on bank transfer um, and the money's gone missing. And eventually they're just like, do you know what? This isn't worth it. I'm just going to opt out of the pension and buy some Bitcoin or a property or something else, right? So I am... It depends all... when they bought Bitcoin, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but let's not be straight. The, the NHS pension is a guaranteed index-linked income for life, okay? Is it my only retirement plan? No. But am I all in on the NHS pension? Definitely, okay? So, Nick, I don't know if you... Because I'm really worried that so many people have just done exactly what I said, that this is too much hassle, I'm going to opt out. And, and how will we measure that harm? Like, yeah, two questions in one, but give me your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think it's it's very difficult to, to counter counteract that for the reasons we touched on earlier. People take completely understandable emotional decisions, just saying this is too much hassle. It's taking too much of my time. I can't be bothered. But but I think financially, you will really really struggle to better the NHS pension 
either in terms of the growth that you get from your money. And that's particularly the case now when if we enter periods of high inflation, you just don't need to worry about that because your pension is, is index linked. And, you know, people, I'm sure most of your listeners know this, but in the NHS pension scheme, as long as you're not out for more than five years or it was a, it was a year in the 95 scheme, but if you stay in the scheme just for one month a year, even if you want to come out a bit, your pension grows by inflation plus one and a half percent. Uh, and that's a thing called treasury orders. It happens every year. It can go up or down. But but that's a better than inflation return, absolutely guaranteed every year till you retire. And, and with the best will in the world, you know, even sticking that in a in a in a SIP or, or buying property, you just can't guarantee that that level of return. Um, so maybe it's about risk in some ways. You know, you said it's not your only retirement plan. I agree. Perhaps it shouldn't be for lots of people. You know, and and as people start to reach the lifetime allowance, maybe they do other things. But but if you want something that's really, really secure and actually really, really good, you need to be in the NHS pension scheme, in my mind. Yeah. So not financial advice, uh, but I know a bit about the NHS pension and I love it. I hate the complexity of the admin and I wish they could sort that out. But the pension in itself, it's just hard to beat. Guaranteed index linked income for life. Um, Nick knows a lot about pensions. He's also a fan of the pension. So just don't, I, we are, both of us know how annoying the pension paperwork admin is. But if you opt out, you might be depriving yourself of a really important part of your enumeration. So have a think about that. And of course, that isn't financial advice. Um, it's, it's probably the best bit of the NHS, of NHS pay generally. It's the bit that, that is most useful. And I think even if you're, you know, even if you're looking at things like the lifetime allowance, if you're kind of getting close to retirement and thinking, well, I'm going to be taxed on this coming out, or if you have had annual allowance tax charges, I, I, I would say it's always worth getting financial advice. You know, pay a professional to do it because you know, that could be a grand, but that that will save you far more money in the long term in most cases. Because, uh, you know, I, I don't know that much about the NHS pension scheme, and it's been described as needing a, a degree in quantum physics to disentangle at times. But but it, it's something that is potentially enormously valuable. And I, I would urge everyone to just get that advice before you drop out. If your IFA says come out, fine. Um, and you need someone who knows the NHS pension scheme as well. You're doing my sales pitch for me, but um, this is why we started Medics Money, because it's so specialized. You know, uh, we have 52 advisors on Medics Money now, and I don't think there's many people that we're missing who actually, you know, the best of the best. So you've listened to our podcast, you know what kind of level they're working at. And if you need advice, I hate paying for the, the advice, um, but it, it's just a necessary evil part of it. Um, and as you say, it's it's very niche. So you're doing my sales pitch for me. So uh, that was... Other well, providers are available, right? Is that right? Well, yeah, but they're just not as good. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, you know, that's a really worrying thing for me. Okay, um, I know we're getting short on time here and both of us are super busy, but one thing I just wanted to touch on as well, I don't even know whether to open this can of worms, but you may or may not know that Capita just recently introduced a new online portal and there are major, major problems now with the practice payment system as well. Uh, should we say a few words on that? I mean, it's a pretty dynamic, evolving Gosh, situation. Which, but... which words are we not allowed to say? I mean, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, think... it's had all the same. It's had all the hallmarks of of, and I hate to say, it, but it's had all the hallmarks of NHS England Capita's collaboration so far. It's it's kind of it's overpromised and underdelivered. It hasn't managed. You know, people are missing quaff payments. There's been huge data protection issues in that you can go in at practice level and and see all the other GPs pay and pensions data. I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things where, again, it's probably really well-intentioned, but God, how did they put that thing live, you know? Yeah. But in a serious note, you know, um, 
we're not just talking about pensions here. We're talking about the income that GP practices in this country need to survive to pay our staff, my staff, your staff, uh, to serve our patients. And if they don't fix this soon, uh, there's going to be a, a massive problem. Um, so it's evolving situation. But if you ha- if you're not aware of that, and you are a practice manager or a partner, you, you need to get aware of that because this is a massive risk to our businesses and our patients, in my view. And, and again, it's not new. It reminds me of a, of a pensions related thing where one sometimes when we had these cases that were live, it would reveal that someone had either overpaid towards the pension or underpaid. Um, and obviously, if you're overpaid, you need a refund. Those were going back again silently to the practice that employed that person at the time. So if you were a salary doctor and you had a repayment 10 years ago, it might still be sat in that practice bank account. But where there were underpayments, there was one case where a practice had £10,000 taken from the wrong practice because they shared a building with a different practice. So this money just just came out that practice account. And then, you know, everyone had to run around getting the money back into the account because it come from the wrong GP and they weren't expecting it. So it's that level of of just sort this out. You know, it's really hard to do things that badly, I'm afraid. My podcast listeners can't see this, but my head is in my hands um, over this. But um, I think hopefully this has given you some things that you can do yourself. Those emails that Nick mentions are really useful. Compensation is really useful. Stick with it. The pension scheme is still a great deal um, from the vast majority of us. Uh, Thank you so much for your time, Nick. Thank you for all of the work that you have done uh, for this as well. Um, Where can people find out more about what you're doing? And is there anyone else that you need to acknowledge that's been helping you uh, on this ridiculously convoluted but very, very worthwhile uh, journey? First of all, thanks for having me. Um, I mean, the main people to thank are are the people who've submitted cases through GP Survival. They've done most of the hard yards here and and it's been an enormous amount of work for them. But obviously, GP Survival is probably the place to go to look look for more information. And there's a Facebook group and a website. Um, And it's important to say as well, there are other groups who've been working on this. The BMA have done some good work, um, Christian Agarwal, people like that. Um, So there's lots of people out there doing stuff on it. And and I think it's a question of getting help from as many places as you can. But yeah, the the GP Survival Facebook group or website, um, if if you need more stuff out there. And Pulse have been very good about publishing guides that that we've done on things as well. So there's a thing up on Pulse Intelligence now, which goes into a bit more detail on that process of how you can claim compensation and fix your pension generally. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Um, I'll drop those links in the show notes because they are really useful links. Thank you so much for your time, Nick. I'm so glad that we finally managed to get our super hectic schedules together. I hope that your workload in GP calms down and things improve a bit. And uh, just thanks for everything that you've done. And thanks for taking the time to join us on today's Medics Money podcast. Thanks for having me. Lovely to talk to you.